On this week's episode of Juke Sports, the fellas are back. We have another action-packed episode this week with all the headlines from around the sporting world, kicking off with playoff update from both the NBA and the NHL. And we're now in the last month of Major League Baseball. Yes, the last month. We'll take a look at how the playoffs are shaking out. And yes, we did all guess this. The Yankees are the worst team in baseball. Not record-wise, but they are. Then Jake and I get into a plethora of football talk. We have college football picks galore for the full slate of games this Saturday. And then we go right into the NFL. The NFL kicks off Thursday night with the Chiefs and Texans. You'll hear our predictions and maybe a wild Super Bowl take. The list this week is greatest fantasy football seasons by an individual player, closing statements, and a lot more. All right, giddy up. Welcome to another episode of Juke Sports, September 7th. Hope everyone enjoyed their Labor Day weekend. We have a lot to get into. Football is back. NFL starts up this week. College football has been back for a little bit. But first, let's get into some of the playoffs and what has been going on in the NHL. We're down to the conference finals now. A lot of the teams that were up 3-1 all moved on, but there were some great games in there. Right, Jake? Oh, yeah. Uh, the Dallas Avalanche series was it was it was awesome to watch. I mean, that, that last game, I, I didn't have a dog in that fight, and I was actually getting, you know, nervous and anxious for some of those – the goaltenders and players there. Um, you know, Islanders, they um, – they really dominated the whole series against Philadelphia. Flyers made it uh, interesting, forced it to a game seven, but Islers dominated that last game seven. So they'll be going on to Tampa Bay. I bet on the Islanders in game seven. You know why I bet on the Islanders in game seven? Because it's Philadelphia. Because you gave up on the Flyers when it was 3-1, and I knew they were going to come back and in true Philly fashion, let the whole city down, just like all of Philly sports I mean, in the game seven. Give Flyers credit. Um, all three of their wins came in overtime. They're a young team. They made some young mistake, mistakes. Uh, the Islanders, on the other hand, didn't make a lot of mistakes. They really, really gave it to the Flyers in the forecheck. They, uh, they, they were better the entire series, and they deserved to move on. But the Flyers will be back. They have a young team, a good nucleus of guys going forward. Uh, right now, Dallas holds a 1-0 lead over Vegas, which I was a little shocked by. They play again. Um, Tuesday night. I mean, look look again for Dallas to kind of control the pace of this game like they did against Colorado. They are the underdog here. Everyone's high on Vegas. Dallas jumps up to 1-0 lead. Vegas, let's see if they have an answer. Game one for the Eastern Conference Finals starts Monday night, so by the time everyone's listening to this, uh, that game will be over. But I'm saying Tampa Bay in six with that one. Tampa Bay six. Yeah, Tampa Bay is the favorite right now. Um, I'm all in with the Islanders, though. I want the Islanders to pull out a cup win this year. But we'll see. Tampa Bay is tough. I think, again, and I said it a few times, whoever comes out of the East I think is going to win it. Mm -hmm. um, Islanders right now looking more like a 
team of no one saw coming, a little team of destiny in there. Um, but I would like to see Islanders and Vegas in the finals. But Tampa Bay is going to be a tough out. I think Islanders in another seven-game series over the Lightning. And I think Vegas gets control. They'll take it in six over Dallas. Although Dallas has been playing well. So they've been playing very anything well. they've done. You know what? It's, it's kind of crazy because I feel like Dallas was the forgotten team out of the West. Everyone's talking about Vegas and everyone's talking about Colorado. And I just feel like Dallas was kind of put on the back burner and, you know, they really took it to Colorado. Colorado had a little bit of a comeback, but um, Dallas, Dallas is the team, man. They're, they're tough, but I'm still saying Vegas. I'm still sticking to Vegas, Tampa. Yeah, it should be interesting to see how it all pans out. But over to the NBA for a little bit here. The Rockets, since last time we talked, squeaked out game seven win over Oklahoma City, and then they steal game one from the Lakers. But the Lakers adjusted last night to take game two. That series is tied up at one apiece. Um, that game one, that was ugly. And what I'm starting to learn about the Lakers is it takes them a game to adjust. It happened with the Portland series mm-hmm. and now with the Rockets. And without a doubt, the speed of the Rockets just overmatched the Lakers in game one. Lakers went back. They adjusted in game two. They went with a nice little small ball lineup that I enjoyed watching there for mm-hmm. a little bit. So that should be an interesting series um, as it continues to progress because the Rockets are just a prolific scoring team. Yeah, I I watched the game last night, and I really thought in the beginning of that game, L.A. was going to boat race Houston. And it looked like that's what was going to happen, but Houston kept plucking away, and they ended up taking the lead, and it came down to the some – you know, pretty much the, the final four minutes until L.A. kind of uh, took control again. I, I, I think just with Houston scoring, I think we're going to see a tough series with them. Uh, I'm still taking Lakers in six. I think Houston steals another one. Houston is never out of a game with how they could score and they could score at will. Um, the lineup that the Lakers went last night with uh, LeBron, Rondo, Kuzma, uh, Caruso, and Morris – Mm-hmm. that small ball lineup seemed to bode well for him. So I wonder if that's going to be uh, something we continue to see as the series goes on. Playoff Rondo's back. He played great last night. I'm not a huge Rondo fan, but when it comes time for the playoffs, he always shows up and shows out. So that was another great performance by them last night as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the Heat. So let's talk about the Heat for a minute. I was worried about the Heat going into this. I wanted them to win. I did pick them before it became a trend. Let's make that very clear. I picked them a week before everyone else started picking them. I was a little worried because everyone was jumping on the bandwagon. But they went out to a 3-0 lead. They lost yesterday. Uh, but the big news, Giannis went out with that ankle. I don't know if he'll be back for the next game, uh, game five. So that will be interesting to see what happens there. Did he just what, let it, he just let it slip away? What, what quarter did he go out in? It was towards the – I believe it was the third or it was right before halftime. Mm-hmm. Um, he went out, and then the Heat just got sloppy. The Heat kind of went into a mentality where they thought they had it locked up because they were – it was a back-and-forth game, but they did control most of the game um, until it went into overtime and towards the end there. Mm-hmm. But overall, I think they're going to – I think they're going to come out in game five and close it out, regardless yeah. if Giannis plays or not. 
or 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 maybe Milwaukee's better without Giannis. I don't know about that. I mean, everyone. <laughs> That's a joke. I, it was I, a joke. Please don't take that serious. Yeah, but no, I, I was, a few people have already been saying that that he they might be better without Giannis because they and that's, pulled out those that people game. Are, those people are idiots. Yeah, I mean, no, <laughs> you can't even you can't even look at that you can't even look at that team and say that they're better without Giannis in there. Listen, I mean, when when and I just feel in a locker room when your guy goes down, your top guy, it does one of two things either those other guys rally around each other and limit their mistakes and go all out like more than usual, really focus up or they kind of fold, you know, Milwaukee's top guy goes out. The heat are playing a little sloppy. And then on top of that, Milwaukee, Chris Middleton, all that, they pull, they pull themselves together. So, I mean, I think the heat are going to take care of business uh, Tuesday night. And I think that's going to be all she wrote. And he, the Heat are going to move on. The Heat are going to the finals. I'm not worried about the Raptors or Boston against the Heat. I, I mean, think they yeah. match. I think they have better success if Boston wins that series. Mm-hmm. But I think I, the way this team's playing and at the level that Butler's performing and that everyone else around them is stepping up. The thing about this team is they – don't rely on one person. If Bam and Butler do what they're supposed to do and give them what they're supposed to do every night, then there's someone else that's always stepping up, whether it's Duncan Robinson, Jay Crowder, Tyler Hero. Jay Crowder, out of nowhere, I mean, he's never doing this in his career, but he's a vet, and now he's stepping up, making five threes in the first half. That's unheard of. Um, so I, I really think that this team, they they got they got hot at the right time. They started playing well in the bubble. It, it trans. It, transitioned over into the playoffs and they had the best coach in my opinion in the east and i don't know it'll be interesting to see and i think that'll change after this year but i feel like spolstra is underappreciated or at least he was like no i mean we we did talk about that before on here and say how i think he is very Underrated, and I agree with you. So yeah, maybe if he gets another championship, or at least takes him to another finals. But well, yeah, because yeah. you know he had he had LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and that team that was supposed to win, and everyone thought you know he, he doesn't have to do a whole lot. Uh, you know he has the best player in basketball. He is a great big man. He has a great score in Dwayne Wade. You know he doesn't really have to do much. And then after LeBron left, the Heat have still been relevant. There have been a relevant team. And I think that's thanks to Spolstra. I mean, he's he he's the real deal. And I think after this year, people are going to realize that he is one of the best in the biz. Yeah, I think definitely in inner basketball circles in the basketball community, he's definitely respected around the NBA. I think it's just he doesn't get the attention from the media that other people or other coaches, I should say, get. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Raptors, Boston, now tied back up at two after Boston got out to a hot start. I think we're we were both on the Raptors here, so I don't think anything's changing here except maybe now it goes seven versus I think we both picked them in six. But good series all around. Uh, two very just just tough teams, just tough yeah. outs. Uh, and I think this is, I mean, this game five that's gonna be on uh, tonight, which will be over by 
the time people hear this and we're going to see who's going to take the, take the commanding lead. So we'll see. I still think, like you said, I still think it's Toronto. Yeah. Toronto, they just got out to a, a very slow start in that series, but they should be, they should be all right. Although Boston is just a tough out, man. Boston just plays tough and they've had uh, Toronto's number a little bit here, but I don't, I don't see it going for a full series. And I think that's starting to uh, reign true in the last couple of games. I do think Boston takes it tonight and they go up three, two, and then Raptors win the final two and seven to take it. Great, great coaching battle too, between nurse and Brad Stevens. I do. I am a huge I mean, and, and, th- and those are two guys uh, kind of like, again, we were talking about Spolster before. I feel like Nick nurse and, um, Brad Stevens, the past couple years have really been the forefront of big name coaches and highly respected coaches. And, and with it, I mean, with reason, I mean, Boston's always in it, no matter what their lineup, Boston's always in it. Nick nurse with the team last year, winning the championship with Kawhi, but it's, it's, it's going to be a tough series. I'm excited to watch tonight. Celtics win the night, but Toronto takes it in seven hammer the Celtics minus one and a half. Um, and then finally, Clippers-Nuggets. Um, Nuggets, I was all in on Nuggets game one. I thought they were going to squeak that one out. They didn't do it for me. They did it in game two, though. But I don't see this one going to seven. I think Clippers wrap it up in six. Should be interesting, though, um, to see how the NBA playoffs transpire. Continue to move on. I think we're still – are you still in the camp as of now? Uh, L.A. and whoever you had, Toronto, I believe. Yeah, L.A., Toronto. I, I, I don't know. Lakers my, heat. Lakers my, heat. Miami, Miami's starting to – Miami's starting to win me over. And that would be a cool storyline. LeBron's new team versus LeBron's <laughs> old team, the Heat. So, I think that will be really cool. But, uh, I don't know. I just think – I think after Miami beats Milwaukee, I think they're set up for a letdown against Toronto. Or Boston. Let's not or Boston. Boston. But, uh, well, I'm saying Toronto's winning it or coming out of the East. But I think after Miami beats Milwaukee, like you're playing at such a high level, you have to match that now for the next one and avoid a letdown. And I think a lot of times in sports, even though guys – they mentally know it's okay. The next game is the most important one, but I just feel like there's too many times in sports after the team gets over the big hump, they have to match that energy and it just doesn't happen. So that's why I'm taking Toronto or, or Boston over Miami. I hear that. And I, I think the, the factor is there, if you look at the heat heats roster, they are a young team. They do have mm. some young guys that carry, very good young guys, by the I way. I mean, Tyler, Hero, Tyler Hero's just turned 20. He's mm-hmm. 20 years old. But they have two guys that – one who's been around the playoffs more than the other, but two really, really great veteran leaders, leaders in Goran Dragic and Jimmy Butler. And I think those two guys are going to be the impact. They're not going to let this team – if they lose, it's just going to be they got outplayed. It's not going to be a letdown that they – think they're going to cakewalk into the finals now that they've been playing so well. Mm-hmm. If they actually do lose, I think it's just going to be, they got outperformed day in and day out, given mm-hmm. their best effort. No, yeah. But, I, and I can see that. Listen, you're going to get a fight out of Jimmy. 
Yeah, you're going to get a – and you know what? All those – How are we feeling, Philly? We I used to yet? laugh – I used to laugh at heat people talk about heat culture. I used to laugh at it, but honestly – I don't think so because that's an ignorant thing for you to do. Not and, knowing anything about what it meant, yes. And I, 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 I see it. You know, guys like Drogic, guys like, you know, Josh Richardson, who's now on uh, now on the Sixers. Um, a lot of those young guys, I think Jimmy Butler exemplifies that and enhances that. But uh, th- there is a culture down there. In, There's three people in that exemplify heat culture. And it's two that started at Pat Riley and Eric Spolscher. And then it's Udonis Haslam, because Udonis Haslam is the GOAT, and he's the mayor of he, South he Beach. Is, he, but, like, it, a lot of those guys, like, they're out of town now. Like, uh, a lot of the guys that didn't exemplify heat culture are out, are out of town, you know? Whiteside, and I can't think of the other guy. I can't think of his name. What are you talking about? There, oh man. there was another guy in Miami who got kind of – not ran out of town, but he – he wasn't a heat, like a quote unquote, a heat guy. And it, it was like a white, it was like Whiteside pretty much. And I mm-hmm. can't think of the other guy's name. Well, Whiteside was more of a project. I mean, they found like, they, they took, they put a lot in, into him. Um, but yeah, he's, he wasn't what they wanted. Are you thinking of, you're not thinking of Tyler Johnson, are you? Uh, I don't think so. Or, or Justice Winslow, maybe. Maybe it's just, yes. I think it's Justice Winslow. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, they do they they find they find their type of players that they want, and they do mm-hmm. they do a great job of building up that type of culture. Hopefully, our Dolphins can do that moving forward as well. Take some notes from yeah. Them. I, I want Dolphins. I want Brian Flores to create Dolphins culture. One final note before we move on from the NBA: uh, J.A. Donde with probably the worst take of all time that I've ever seen. So if you guys aren't familiar with the, the NBA has allowed uh, wives, family members, and kids to come into the bubble if they pass the proper protocol or anything. So there was a picture of during the Bucks Toronto game of all the families, social distancing, whatever. And they're all, Players, uh, kids, children, like Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Fleet's daughters that are like a couple months years old. So, Jay Donde says, the kids are among the few people in the world who can watch these NBA playoffs in person, and they're all locked into their phone screens instead of watching their dads on the court. So much for grabbing the next generation of hoopers. They're like six months old, dude. What do you want them to be, what do you want them to be watching? They don't even know what's going on. That, like, are you serious? That was, that was un, that was unreal. That I, I actually, that came out of his mouth. They're like two years. The, the oldest one was like two years old. The oldest one, the oldest kid was like two years old. I, I was unreal. Two years old. I mean, what do you, what do you want them to like? They don't even know. They, they're cool. watching. Um, I, I want to say Bob the Builder, but I don't think that's a thing anymore. It's Paw uh, Patrol, I think. I don't. Paw know. Patrol is that the big thing now? Paw Patrol. No um, we'll have to add. I wonder how many dads listen. We'll have to ask him. What do your What do your kids listen to or watch? But yeah, I mean, two, two years old. I mean, I, I can't even remember two. Like, it like, was just. It was the most. I imagine. I don't. Was, I don't. And I'm a huge sports fan. I. I, I don't think it's the most idiotic t- thing I've ever seen. If, if they're like 13, if they're teenagers and they're not watching 
they're and they actually care about basketball. Like if it was LeBron, like Brian Jr. a few years ago, like when he was 14 or 15, he wasn't watching the game. Okay, yeah, then maybe there's something to say there. But they're babies. They're infants. I don't know what you want there. Uh, horrible, horrible take. Um, the only other big news before we move on to some baseball is Steve Nash. The Steve Nash hiring, which is causing, um, I guess, some shockwaves around the NBA universe. Um, I, I Here's the thing. He hasn't coached before, but we've seen success from people who have come straight into coaching. Um, he does have a relationship with KD and Kyrie, so that was probably a big factor in there. And let's make one thing clear. The NBA superstars pretty much pick their coaches. LeBron oh, does yeah. it all the time. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. There has been some success. There has been some not such great success with players going straight into coaching. But the one thing he's got going for him, he was one of the best point guards to play the game. And that is the position that translates the best to a coach, the floor general. So we'll see uh, how that works out. No, I mean, it, it, it kind of shocked. It kind of shocked me a little bit. But, like, you know, Ky- Kyrie and KD – are going to sign off on this. You know, if, if management at Brooklyn went to them and said, hey, should we hire Steve? Like, like there was a conversation there, and they definitely had input. And if they felt that they should have hired someone else or they should get looked or someone else should get a look, then it would have happened. But the fact is, you know, KD is, you know, absolutely top five player you know, probably top three player in the entire league. So he has a choice. He, if, if Katie didn't want Steve Nash, he would have said, no, I don't, uh, like we got to look for something else. So they, they signed off on it. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what happens, but I mean, th- there's a lot of coaches that have no prior resume. I mean, which ones have had success? I mean, Steve Doc Kerr. Rivers. Yeah, okay, Steve Kerr and Doc Rivers. I mean, is like this going to turn into an – I don't want this to turn into an Isaiah Thomas debacle. Or, you know, even even a, even maybe a Jason Kidd type of thing. Where's the thing? I mean, it, success is always determined by what? Championships? I mean, yeah. I'm not – I – people – hate and rag on to Jason Kidd. I'm in, I thought he wasn't Jason terrible. He wasn't, he wasn't terrible. terrible. I mean, they what I mean, they had a bad start to, mm. what was it? Two years ago, three years right. ago um, when he got fired mid season, but he was winning games. He was in a good situation there. Mm. I mean, if you could put these coaches like Steve Nash in a situation where he has the two superstars, where you need two superstars in the NBA to win. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is set a good up for success. He's set up for success. And like yeah. you said, and like we both said, the, the star players are signing off on who they want to yeah. coach. So I don't know why people are making a big, bigger deal about it. We've seen it before to see how it all plays out. I think he's in a good spot. I think he's set up for success. I'm not saying he's going to turn into Steve Kerr or Doc Rivers, but if he's a little bit better than Jason Kidd was, then we're going to look back on this in five years and say they got it right. So 
We shall so see. I meant, I meant Derek Fisher before. Oh, Derek Fisher. Yeah. Derek Fisher did uh, – he didn't do as good as Kim, in my opinion, I don't think. But. No, 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 he didn't do as good as – but, like like I said, I, I don't want this to turn into, like, an Isaiah Thomas debacle. And if – I will say this. I think Nash has a short, very short leash with that team. If he has those super, two superstars and he is not producing a – like, I'm saying if they get knocked out first round – I think they move away from, from Nash quickly. I mean, that's – then you're in, you're in a constant state of coaching care, so there you can't – No, no, and I, I – yeah, but I just feel like that team should be producing. If Kyrie and Kevin Durant are healthy, that team needs to produce because that team made it interesting this year without them. I mean, to, to a point, yeah, they made it interesting. They, everyone's getting hung up that they beat the, the Bucks. And the bubble, but I mean that was the Bucks weren't really playing for anything, so you can't read too much into that. I'm just saying I think Steve Nash is going to have a short leash. Interesting. I think that if unless something happens where it's a locker room thing and it blows up, I think as long as KD and Kyrie are happy and they want to be there, even if they're the fourth or fifth seed mm-hmm. each year, they're gonna. They're going to be doing it until manager gets involved and says, you guys got to win now. But it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit of MLB before we get into football. Have a touch on MLB. The season's almost over, shockingly. Well, the regular season. Anyway, a lot of teams, a lot of teams, I say, because some have had some COVID uh, impacts and scares. Uh, over 40-some games played by most. And I think it's safe to say now, that the Yankees are the worst team in baseball. What I don't know what the hell is wrong with the Yankees. They are 21 and 19 and only two games up on the final wild card spot in the American what League. From, what a fall from grace. I, I, I believe they have some energy uh, uh, injuries, uh, bullpen problems. You know, it, the bullpen kills, it kills teams. It absolutely kills teams. Well, I mean, you've seen it with your Phillies day in oh, and yeah. day out. And now they've, they've kind of – they kind of figured it out, and now they went they went on a big uh, a winning streak here. They so, made some trades. They got some bullpen help at the deadline and even before the deadline. Mm-hmm. So that has a pretty big impact. I tell you what, though, the, the American League is very, very top-heavy. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's top to bottom. It's It's – far and above what the NL is right now. The NL, in my opinion, has three teams that could legitimately make it to the World Series. And if you look at the American League, in your mind, there's teams like the Rays who you would say, just because they're playing and they've been playing this great, probably won't get it to the World Series when they're there, or a team like the Blue Jays. But top to bottom, all these teams, man, could do it. I mean, if the Yankees sneak in and they're the eighth seed, they can legitimately still oh, go yeah. to the World Series if they get Absolutely. healthy. But you look at the bottom of the NL, teams like the Giants and the Rockies who have been surprises, the Phillies. Um, I, I don't know if they get in, they do it because, I mean, while they, they, have, they have bigger holes, Yankees, if they get healthy, the Twins, the Twins are the seventh seed right now in the AL. They could still get to uh, a deep run in the playoffs. I don't know. It's going to be a lot more interesting this year with the expanded format. So teams 
for instance, yeah, like the Yankees who <laughs> weren't going to be in it are now in it. So it's going to make things a lot more interesting. You know, and, and I don't think we've revisited some of our predictions here, but I just want to say you said before the year the Chicago White Sox are going to be a team what, to beat. Yeah, White Sox and Padres are my were and both in both of those teams doing extremely well right now. The Padres are in the same division as the Dodgers, but I mean they're right now the Padres are the second second best team in the National League. Yeah, the um the Yankees are what the White Sox are what the Yankees thought they would be because the White Sox have two good pitchers mm. um and then the Yankees had Garrett Cole but they've been banged up, especially in the pitching staff, and then with their, their bats. But everyone thought that they would just win games by a run. If you're scoring eight, nine runs a game, all you got to do is keep it under six, and you're okay. And that should be manageable at a major league level in most mm. cases when you have a lead and you're able to pitch a little bit more freely. So, I don't know. But the White Sox, man, they just got a great offense. They're, they're, that offense could compete with anyone if they're on. They can keep it rolling. But I, I still think I picked the Dodgers to win it at the beginning of the year over the Yankees. I don't know how that Yankees pick is going to pan out, but I definitely still think yeah. Dodgers are the team in uh, the team to beat in the NL. Um, but I would like to see um, the Padres come out of that division because they are a fun team to watch. But let's one more thing. One more thing. If the Orioles get in, the Orioles are two games out right now, man. If the Orioles get in, that's going to be something. Then, you, then I think we have to just call the season a wash. Put an asterisk by it. If the Orioles get in to the playoffs, or even like the Marlins, the Marlins are a few games out, three games out of the last spot in the NL. If they get in, we might have to call the season a wash, unless the Indians win. Then it's a full season. Then it, then it matters. Then it, it matters, matters, right? It counters. Okay. Um, uh, I'm just disappointed. I, I have the Reds in the wild card, and they, they're just not – not what I thought they were going to be. Uh, Told you that. You didn't listen. You got on the I, hype train there. I got on the hype train from last year. I was like, hey, the Reds are going to they're gonna make some noise. And I did. I still got the Phillies and the Braves, uh, Cubbies. Um, i tell you what, the one, the one team that if they could stay healthy and they didn't have a COVID scare, that is just always there. They, they are St. the Louis. Yep, they're the Patriots of baseball, in my opinion. They do. I don't know about the Patriots. I feel they like do more with the Steelers. They have like the Steelers. And okay, it's you know they're Apples always there. there. Yeah, they're always there. I mean, they but they won though. They won. Don't discredit that they're they World did. Series. They did, and, and the Steelers have won recently. But they're they're kind of like the Steelers of. They're kind of like the Steelers of the MLB. They're just always there, always. Um. Well, good segue then. Let's get into some football. And let's it's start back. with the NFL. It's back, baby. It's back. This will drop Tuesday, and we'll only have two full days to wait until the NFL is back. Mm-hmm. So let's start there. Uh, Thursday night, you got the Chiefs and the Texans kicking it off. Are we getting color rush? I hope not. Some, of those, want... color, some of those color rush jerseys are tough, man. The Jets? The Jets one? It. It's horrible. Does the Jets to go out they have green on green? It's like it's just a really it's just a really awful it just looks worse than the normal green. Can we get can we get red on red Kansas City and blue on blue Houston? Is that allowed? No. 
<laughs> no, I hope not. But I don't know. I don't think they're doing color rush, but they might be. Who knows? Um, it should be interesting, though. That's always going to be a fun game because the Texans are always hyped up. For some reason, we think Bill O'Brien has it solved. They got the quarterback. They spend a lot of money in the offseason. They spent money to get their premier tackle and draft picks. I, and I still don't know. You look at that roster up to that, I still don't see they have it. David Johnson, too. I still don't see it. And they do have David Johnson. Hopefully he can stay healthy. <laughs> if he but stays healthy. I don't see it. I um, love Deshaun. Can I just say I love Deshaun Watson? He might be one of the few players that come out of Clemson that I actually do. I love Deshaun Watson. I like Deshaun Watson. I love him. Um, So it's going to be interesting. Line right now at minus nine and a half. It is moving. Um, I'm all in on the Chiefs. Uh, I'm taking the Chiefs to win by at least 10. That seems like easy money to me. I don't know how everyone else feels out there, but I'm in for that. That's the first game that we got on Thursday. But let's get into some predictions for the year, and let's start in the AFC. So, Jake, read it down who you got taking each division from the AFC East, North, South, and West. Okay, here we go. Uh, AFC East, I have the Buffalo Bills. Okay. Um, You want me me to just go right down the line? Okay, so AFC, I got the Buffalo Bills. Um, AFC North, uh, Baltimore Ravens. AFC South, uh, Indianapolis Colts, AFC West, I got the Chiefs. So we're two out of two there. So I'll go from bottom to top how you did it. AFC West, Chiefs, I got the Chiefs as well. Mm -hmm. South, I do have the Colts. I'm so high on the Colts this year, and you'll see once we continue to talk Super Bowl. Um, AFC North, though, I got the Steelers. Okay. And AFC East, going to be the most – mediocre conference of all the con- or of all the divisions excuse me this year if you get to 9 and 7 you will win this division and i'm not sold on the bills and i'm not sold on the pats oh my god you're making this you're doing this aren't so you? i'm doing it the miami dolphins will win the afc east this year oh with a record of 9 and 7 Jesus. and the bills will be 8 and 8 and the pats will be uh, nine and seven. Why are you well, doing? Why are you? Why are you doing? Dolphins will win by a tiebreaker. Why are you doing this to yourself? So there's really here's the thing with the AFC East. Everyone loves the Bills. Mm-hmm. I love the Bills defense, but I am not sold on Josh Allen, and I'm not a fan of Josh Allen. I love his grit and the way he plays. I think that's awesome at a high school college level, but that's not how the type of quarterback you need to win in the NFL. He's a little too erratic all over the place. I'm not sold with him. If you put Sam Darnold on the Bills, then I'd be all in on the Bills. I think Sam Darnold's the better of the two, but the Jets are just a dumpster fire and they have no Man. shot to do anything. I, I, listen. And then the Patriots, the Patriots are, are the team that now with Cam, like we were all against, we were all sellers with what the Patriots were going to be because they lost Brady they, before they got Cam. Now they got Cam and now everyone's going to be back high on them again. But I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, I have a lot of concerns about that defense. And I think Cam Newton's – They had a lot of guys. Him. They had a lot of guys opt out. I think Cam Newton um, makes it interesting. I do think the Patriots are on the outside looking in in the playoffs. This will be – the Patriots are not making it this year. 
It's I, over. It's I, over. I the it's rain, over the rain of terror in New England is over. I think it starts off hot for them, though. I think they start off hot, and then mm-hmm. middle of the season they fizzle, and then they just have a complete blow up, and that's how the dynasty ends. But okay, who do you have as your wild cards? In the AFC, uh, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, like we were saying before with the St. Louis Cardinals, the Steelers are always in it. Mm-hmm. Um, ten, and then I have the Titans. And who else? Expanded format this year, three wild Oh, cards. that's right. Shoot. I forgot. Uh, no worries. So I'll give you mine while you think. Let's I have... just go regular format. <laughs> that's not real life. <laughs> Here, I'll just give you my – you, you had the Steelers. I have them in my winning the division. So, I also, so, then I have the Ravens getting a wild card. I also have the Tennessee Titans. I'm not – a lot of people are thinking, are they going to win the division? I'm not as high on them this year. I could see them doing what the Dolphins did when they got to the playoffs the first year with Adam Gase and Ryan Tannehill, and they kind of take a – Big step back, but they did just sign Clowney, so they do have a pretty good defense, so I think they still get in. Um, and then my final wild card team is the Chargers. I'm pretty high on the Chargers as well this year. I have my defensive rookie of the year playing for the Chargers. Well, okay. So I think they those are the three wild card teams. If you're going the third wild card team, then we'll be New England. Okay. Sneaking the Patriots I, in no. there. No, because I, I thought the Patriots would be like one game out. They would um, be on the outside looking in. And me, totally, uh, I guess, brain farting on the whole thing. I went with the old format. Um, but, no, I think New England then sneaks in with the third wild card spot. Let's hope you're wrong with that one. I don't think anyone wants to see the Patriots in the playoffs. But let's move on to the NFC. Who do you got coming out of the NFC for the divisions this year? All right, so NFC East, I have Dallas, uh, NFC North, Green Bay, NFC South, Tampa, NFC West, Niners. Oh, wow, we're we're all, we're pretty different here. Really? Going, yep, uh, last to first this time. NFC West, I have the Seahawks. NFC South, I have the Saints. It's still their division until someone takes it from them. NFC North, this is my team, man. I love the Vikings this year. I love that defense. I think they're going to be extremely tough. And NFC East, I have the Cowboys. And then my wild card, my three wild card teams this year, 49ers, Packers, Bucks. Ooh, wow. Okay. I think the so, NFC is stacked. <laughs> okay. I am not as high on Minnesota. Um, but for wild card, I have Seattle. New Orleans, and with the expanded format, I'll go Eagles with the third. Interesting. Now, here's the thing with the Eagles that you got to look for. Injuries. If you looked last week, their, their um, injury list – now, granted, a lot of these guys are, you know, questionable, This you know, small injuries here and there. But if the Eagles don't stay healthy or, or like last season, last season will not happen again. Like, they had that many question marks just due to injuries. They will not um, – I don't want to say succeed, but they will not make the playoffs like last year. Dallas is going to come for blood. And if Dallas doesn't come for blood for the Eagles this year, 
then I don't know what's going on in Dallas. But this year, I feel like the Cowboys have to win that division. If they don't, yeah, then something drastically needs to change there. They're Maybe far, Garrett wasn't the problem. They are if, by far the best team on paper. They need to. They've always been, though. And that's like what blows my mind with some of these like Cowboys people is like on paper, their team is supposed to win that division the past, I don't know, four or five years. And they, and the Eagles are just a thorn in their side. Yeah. I mean, that debate will always go on Dak versus Carson. Who's the better quarterback there. Whenever two guys come in the league at the same time, or same, around same division, time, same you got the same thing, and you got the same thing in the East with Darnold and Allen. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know though. This Cowboys team, compared to other rosters, like you said, they've always on paper have looked better. But I don't know. The team this year just seems if they can't if they can't get it done this year, they're never going to get it done. They need to start start from square one. Yep. Uh, okay. Do you have a Super Bowl prediction or any other predictions that you want the world to know? Oh, okay. I think – I feel like this is the sexy – this is the sexy pick, but I'm going with it. Um, I'm going with Tampa Bay versus Baltimore Ravens in the Super Bowl and I believe the Baltimore Ravens are going to win it. Interesting. Good stuff. So I've got a not-so-sexy pick, but here's my rationale why. In a minute, you'll hear it. I've got – I'll tell you first, here's my Super Bowl. I have the Packers and the Indianapolis Colts in the Super Bowl. Okay. Not I mean, a sexy pick, either one of those. No. And I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be on a tear this year. And that team, that team has been disrespected. Players, they always find someone. They always find some receiver that no one's heard of that just comes out of the woodwork and tears it up. They're going to do it again. They're disrespected. Everyone's been talking about them. Oh, get Rodgers some weapons. The Jordan Love pick. Oh, is. Rodgers is going to be gone. Rodgers is going to tear it up like he always does. The only team that scares me out of the NFC for the Packers that might slip up there is the Saints. I, again, think the Saints are the top team. I think the Bucs, the Bucs remind me right now, you know who the Bucs remind me of with a very, very much, 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 much better quarterback? They remind me of the Eagles' dream team a few years ago. Remember when the Eagles had that crazy offseason they signed yeah. – everyone and then they just completely shit the bed. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen because they got Brady and Brady's still the goat until he retires. But I don't think they're going to be as good as everyone says. Because you're just mm-hmm. getting a lot of pieces in a weird off season trying to put it all together. I don't know if it works. But my pick here is the Colts over the Packers and Philip Rivers, my boy, Gets his he Super Bowl. Gets it done. He finally gets it done in Indianapolis, where no one thinks anything of the Colts this year. I think they do it. And Phillip Rivers rides off into the sunset, retires, coaches high school football here on out. That's my pick. Colts over the Packers. Who saw that coming? Only Cots. All right. All right. I mean, I. 
I hope Philip if Philip Rivers gets a Super Bowl, he's a definitely a Hall of Famer. I think he's gonna have the year, man. I mean, Pat Mahomes is again the the heavy favorite to win MVP. I look for Philip Rivers to have a big year, man. I hope so. I love Philip Rivers. I hope he can do it. I hope he can figure it out there. Um, let's transition into college picks, college sports. Um, this week, I feel like – now, we did have college games last week, but I feel like this week is going to be um, th- the opening, the, the true opening of college football this year. Um, I think that was Saturday, but we'll agree or disagree on that. I, I know. And, and listen, like the, um, the SMU-Texas State game was good. Um, Memphis-Arkansas State-Arkansas State. Uh, gave the Memphis Tigers a little bit of scare there. That was good. But, it doesn't uh, matter if you took Arkansas State like me with the points, you win. That's all that matters in 2020 um, football. Tonight, which uh, the game will be over by the time everyone listens, BYU versus Navy, which I am ex- so excited for. It's going to be uh, a fun one. It, it, it should be fun. Two totally different styles of offense. Um, now, BYU, now hopefully I'm right, but BYU – a one-point favorite going into Annapolis. Navy has had some good years the past few years. BYU, eh, okay. Last year they had some big wins against Tennessee and USC uh, and Boise State, but lost other games that they should have won. So very inconsistent. But them going in as one-point favorites into Annapolis, I'm taking the Cougars uh, tonight. Hopefully I am right by the time everyone listens to this. Yeah, they're Zach Wilson, their quarterback. I didn't believe he was a freshman last year, so redshirt freshman or true freshman, I'm not entirely sure, but he's back. The reason why – the only reason that I'm a little scared, I'm on the BYU train as well. The only thing is when you run that triple option and you have a short amount of time to prepare for it, and, like, we got to remember that this wasn't a game that has been scheduled X amount of days out. BYU, an independent, had a – do a makeshift schedule when the pandemic happened and the COVID situations happened. So this was a late add to the schedule. So that, that's the only thing that scares me because we saw how army could do it. How Navy has done it in the Navy, past. Or sorry, army put an absolute beat down on middle Tennessee state. Yeah. So I'm going against the troops for a second time in, to in less than what? 72 hours or however long it's been since Saturday. Wait, you took middle Tennessee. I did. I took Middle Tennessee State, the points. Um, I hate picking against the economies. I really do. It's like it's, – it's always tough. You can't do that, and you can never bet against Hawaii on the island. Yeah, exactly. So, that was a tough one. So, we'll see. Hopefully, I have better luck there. That's the only thing that scares me. That's going to be – that's tough to see how they um, can defend that triple option because when you run it at such a high level, it doesn't matter. It's tough. And it, it screws you up not only – the week you're preparing for it, but it screws you up the next week going to prepare for a normal pro-style offense as well. So should be interesting to see. Yeah. Um, so what we're going to do next, guys, um, we have some picks lined up. Cots and I didn't discuss this, but um, we have our own picks that we guarantee will win you money after Saturday. So I'm going to get this thing rolling. Uh, I'm going to say take North Carolina – Nate or uh, is a 22 point favorite over Syracuse. Take them 
take the Tar Heels. They're going to run through Syracuse. Syracuse has, Syracuse has some problems. Mac Brown and the Tar Heels are going to come out with a statement and beat gonna, the Orange. All right. <laughs> so are you going to give all your picks or should I just go now? Because I have no, that pick too. Take one. So I have – I am 110% taking Syracuse plus 21. And then I am also taking the over 63 and a half in that game. Syracuse is 7-3 and 1 against the spread in their last 11 games. In the past, traditionally, North Carolina has not played well in season openers. I don't see how they really they're, – they're too, they're too hyped up this year. They've had, they had a nice little run towards the end of last year. I'm not sold on them, but I do think it's going to be a high-scoring game, and that's why I like the over – as well but let's just say that i don't know i'm not sold on mac brown and north carolina and that team yeah i'm I'm all in on syracuse so it should be interesting and the biggest thing is i would say i'm more in favor of the over in this game that should hit easily um so i would lay a lot of money on the over 63 and a half both teams are like five and oh in their last five against the, with the over hitting. So I would definitely do that. Actually, I lied. Tar Heels are five and two in their last seven. The Cuse is four and oh in their last four with the over. Take the over there. But Jake's wrong here. Syracuse plus 21 is the play, not the Tar Heels. Okay. Um, most of mine are ACC picks, just letting you know. Um, I'm taking Notre Dame, 20-point favorite over Duke. Duke has some problems. Notre Dame also is going to beat. So here's a futures pick for you guys. Uh, Notre Dame is going to beat Clemson during the year. That will also happen. Notre Dame undefeated during the regular season. And then when they play for the ACC championship, that's where Clemson beats them. And then they'll go to the playoffs. But as of right now, Notre Dame 10 and 0, and it starts with an over 20 point victory over Duke. I don't like that one. I'm staying away from that. Duke is traditionally very good uh, against their spread. They're like 10 and three against their spread in their last 13 games in September. So I'm staying away from that one. I do think Notre Dame is really good, but that's the one that I'm not touching. Um, I got two picks for Thursday night. The Hurricanes at UAB. I'm all in on the Hurricanes this year. I think they have a great defense. So I'm taking the Hurricanes to win by two touchdowns, minus 13 and a half over UAB, and also the under. Um, The Hurricanes traditionally struggle out the gate, but I think they get it figured out this year. I'm not saying they blow out UAB. That's why I'm also taking the under, but that defense is going to cause problems. We saw UAB already. We had a preview of them. It's not great. They played. They didn't play too great. Um, so I'm going to take Miami to cover minus 13 and a half, and the under 54. I see it somewhere around like a 38 to 13 type of game. Okay. Next one for me, uh, Florida State, 12 point favorites over Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech is probably going to be the worst team in the ACC. Florida State has been struggling the past few years, but I feel like this year they're not going to be back by any means. 
but they're at least going to get back to being respectable. And I think it starts with a, um, with covering the spread. Uh, they're a 12 point favorite over Georgia tech. Take the Seminoles over the, the yellow jackets. That's the line that I don't get right now. And I like, I, I think the smart bet would be what you just said, but it doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I don't are know why. It's, are you saying it's a too good line? It's a too good line. I, it doesn't that, I don't know why. It, I mean, it opened, be, yep. Here's the thing. It opened at, at 11 and now it's up to 12 and a half. I like it still under two touchdowns. I think that's a great play, mm. but why, why, like that doesn't make sense to me. Why is that? That seems like we just said a little too good. So I, I don't know. The only thing is the Seminoles, again, traditionally get off to slow starts against the spread uh, early in games in September. So uh, that should be – it's going to be an interesting one. To I watch. just think Georgia Tech has a lot going on right now. Coaching changes. Um, they're going to have a new offense. I, I just feel like – They do. I mean, I agree. I agree with you 100%. It's just something that's – when I first saw that, I was like, like you said, it looks too good to be true. I just don't know why. And that's I mean, why listen, gonna... Florida State isn't a world beater right now. Florida State has some the, the, has their own problems. Yeah. Um, I just think they get back to being a, at least a respectable program. We shall see. Um, so I got another one here, um, and this is a different play. I got Iowa State versus Louisiana Monroe. I really like um, Louisiana Monroe in this game, the Raging Cajuns. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not as high as Iowa State is on everyone, but I think this is a defensive um, struggle. So I'm taking the under 13 points in the first quarter here, folks. First mm-hmm. quarter under 13, I'm taking that game. I, I think that this is interesting. This is another one that I, I like the Raging Cajuns a lot. Again, I'm not as big on Iowa State as a lot of the quote-unquote professionals are. So we'll see what happens. But I think this ends up being a more low-scoring game than many might believe. Right now, the over-under is sitting at 56, opened at 58. So we'll see. But I'm taking the first quarter under. I don't think anybody scores any points in the first quarter. Well, even if they do, as long as it's not two touchdowns, we still win. I want to preface something. I love Matt Campbell. Okay? I do. I really do. But the Raging Cajuns. Five returning offensive linemen, a great, efficient quarterback with uh, Levi Lewis. They were a top 10 offense last year. Granted, they were a Sunbelt. I get it. Top 10 offense last year, and they have a really deep defensive line that's going to try and get after the quarterback. I think a lot of people see this and see, oh, Louisiana Lafayette, oh, Iowa State's ranked. They'll beat them by more than 11. Mm Mm-mm. Louisiana Lafayette makes this a close game. I'm not saying they win, but I'm saying they will make this a close game. Put your money on the Raging Cajuns to cover an 11-point spread. Iowa State, um, that's all great. Um, but Iowa State just is horrible, traditionally horrible as favorites. Um, in their last four games against the spread, they're 0-4. In their last five, they're 0-4-1. And the Raging Cajuns traditionally get more points than this, and they're really good against the spread. Their last five games in September, they're 5-0 and against the spread. I agree with you. 
I like the Raging Cajuns. I'm just surprised it didn't open a little bit higher than this, which is again, why I'm slightly worried because it only opened at 10 and a half. Now it's up to 11 and a half, which means the money's all going on Iowa State, mm. which just is the concern to me. I'm with you. It's, it seems almost that all the money's going to be going on Iowa State unless you know a little something, mm. which I'm with you. I'm with the Raging Cajuns, but I'm going to stay away from that one. But I will be taking the under in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. And then, also, yeah, uh, I think ahead. Louisiana Lafayette wins that West Division too out of the Sun Belt. I think it's going to be them, and then out of the East, I believe it'll be probably Appalachian State. But anyway, um, continue. So my final one that I have before I have oh, I have two more left, but the Tulane South Alabama game. Tulane is amazing covering. They're eight and one in their last nine against the spread. We saw South Alabama. South Alabama looked great. Uh, well, they, I mean, however you want to characterize that game. But they, that line opened at 11. It's now down to – actually, uh, now down to nine and a half. Ten points for Tulane. I, I'm big on Tulane. They're really great uh, against the spread and covering. I think they get this done easily over South Alabama. People are just – people saw South Alabama. People think that – Oh, South Alabama played well. They won a game. They're not – I think they only won two games or one game last year. So they're already pretty much looking like uh, they're going to run through their win-loss total from last mm-hmm. year. But I'm not sold on it. Tulane is going to easily cover that game at minus nine and a half. And it might go down. I would wait for a little bit before mm-hmm. you put your money on that. I See, I, I saw that. I didn't include it. Again, South Alabama played well. I would – like you said, I wouldn't want to make this pick until um, I wait this one out. Maybe throw it down one of the last ones on Saturday morning, but I don't know. I don't think you need to wait it out that long. Now that it, now that it started at 11, now that it's under 10, I think 10's a great mm-hmm. play. But if you are worried about – if you're someone who gets worried about those half points, um, now that it's down to 9.5, I think 10 points mm-hmm. is a safe, a safe way to do it. South Alabama does, even though they lose, they do traditionally keep the because they're usually getting so many points. They traditionally do keep it close, but this one's so low. I think it's a safe pick mm-hmm. to take Tulane here. All right, um, I have another big one, another big spread, for, uh, one of the bigger spreads of the of Saturday. Um, Clemson, a thirty-three point favorite against Wake Forest. Hammer the Tigers, baby. They're doing it. 33-point favorite against Wake Forest. Wake Forest had a shot last year to really make some noise. They, had, they caught the injury bug. And I witnessed Clemson beat the living hell out of the Demon Deacons by about 50-some. It's going to happen again. 33-point favorites take Clemson this time around as well. Clemson is great in these bigger uh, spread games. They usually always cover because you always want you always think that they're gonna slip up because they play such a cupcake schedule that maybe they're taking a week off thinking ahead to one of their other mediocre teams they play on their schedule. Um, but no, I'm with you. I'm not. I'm staying away from this game because I would be on the Clemson train as well. But I don't like laying that many points. I don't care who you're playing against. Um, so we'll see. I mean. Demon Deacons, I mean, their home games, they're 5-2 and two against the spread 
in their last seven home games. Um, they're 3-1-1 against the spread in the last five. But, I mean, Clemson, traditionally, um, as a road favorite, is usually always bet on them. But I would, look, I would watch this one and see if the line moves a little bit. This is one that people might start putting money on um, Clemson, so it might go up a little bit. So watch it. I would get it in now before it goes up because it started at 31 and a half. It's already up to 32 and a half at many books. Um, all right, so I got one more. So we won't be ending our nights with, I don't know, San Diego State or Hawaii. This Saturday we'll be ending it with Coastal Carolina and Kansas, baby. And the Chanticleers will – I want to take them on the money line. I think they could do it two years in a row. But I said to myself, this line has moved so much because so many people are taking Kansas right now. It opened Kansas minus three and a half. It's already up. That's today, Jake. That's this morning, Monday morning. It opened at three and a half. Now, live, when we're recording this, it's already up to seven. A full touchdown? Give me Coastal Carolina plus seven against Kansas. I love that pick. They won last year. I'd also even consider the under the under here too. Um, it's moving. A lot of people are already taking on it. It's went from 58 and a half to 56. But I'm saying Coastal Carolina, I really want to take them on the money line and do it this year. Kansas isn't good. Kansas is still not good. They are they're competing, they're playing better against better teams, but they're still playing down to competition. And I think that was their issue last year. When they had to show out and compete against some of the bigger teams and the better teams that they play, they made things interesting. But no, Coastal Carolina is 8-1 and one in their last um, nine games against the spread. So I'm with um, Coastal Carolina and the points. And they already did it last year. And they're going to – I'm not saying they, they win. I think maybe Kansas squeaks it out. By a field goal, but this is a sloppy game. It's probably 17-13, and I think if you take the points, uh, you're gonna walk out yeah, a winner. I, I'm say I would stay the hell away from this game. Nope. This game scares me. Um, you Why look is it scary? Well, because I, I, watching Kansas last year and the improvement Les Miles made, I, I would think Kansas. Should take care of Coastal, but yeah, but it doesn't so, matter who wins uh, the game, Jake. It matters. I know about covering. Spread. I know, I know. But you would think Kansas would cover. It beat it, beat the spread. But uh, they're I horrible. Don't In their last thirty-two games in September, they're eight twenty-three and one against the spread. Their last seven home games are two and five against the spread. Uh, it's tough. I, I don't know. I would stay the hell away from that. Um, Speaking of staying the hell away from, I have, I have another game to stay the hell away from. It's my scary line uh, between Louisville is a, an 11-and-a-half-point favorite against Western Kentucky. Scares the hell out of me because you have Louisville here. A lot of people think Louisville's going to make a comeback this year. They're going to make some noise in the ACC. Western Kentucky, on the other hand, I mean, nine and four, coming off a nine and four year, they did very, fairly well. You know, they're thinking, eh, maybe. On paper, Louisville should win this game by 20, 11 and a half. I don't know. It scares me. Stay the hell away from it. I know everyone wants to pick Louisville. Don't do it. Looking at it, I initially wanted to do it. Don't do it. Stay the hell away from it. So there's my advice for staying the hell away. All right, my last pick. 
All right. This this is going to be a crazy pick, but I, I believe it's going to happen. The Citadel is going to cover a 20-point spread against South Florida. So the Citadel are 20-point dogs going to Raymond James uh, Stadium in Tampa Bay where USF plays. And the Citadel is going to run the option. They're going to control the clock. They are known to be gritty, sometimes a dirty football team. USF is, is not a great football team. Okay, they're still recovering from two years ago where they try to, um, where they try to topple uh, UCF and could not do it. They're still recovering. They're not a good team. The Citadel is going to cover the spread. Hammer the Citadel Bulldogs. Interesting. It's a little too low for me to hammer them, but I like uh, they. I didn't know they're on. I don't think I've ever watched a Citadel game or ever bet on Citadel game. They're a little dirty, man. Well, so they run the they run that they run the triple, and they they've been known. I think they played Alabama a few years ago, and they were dirty. Like they were going after guys' kneecaps. Like it was. They're they're known to be. Uh, they they cut a lot because they run triple, and they're kind of known to be a little bit chippy. So I, I'm saying the Citadel is. I'm not saying the Citadel's going to win, but they're going to cover a 20-point spread against USF. I like it. Um, just two games to keep an eye on. I'm not sure if I'm going to bet on them yet, but Army minus 19 against uh, Louisiana Monroe, and then also the App State game against Charlotte. App State's down to 17 against Charlotte. I know App State's not as good as years past, but that's one that I think they could um, they could pull out there. So we'll see what happens there. App State is usually – very good early on. As you know, they play teams very well earlier on. They're usually traditionally very well uh, mm-hmm. cover against the spread um, in early games in September. But there's two other games I'm keeping an eye on. So a lot of bets there, man. I hope that they, some of them hit for some people who are going to take some advice there. But in terms of real football with colleges sharing it looking a lot different, do you have a, do you have a Final Four thought on who gets done with, you know, no Big Ten this year, specifically where there could have potentially so, been So if, if there truly is, if there truly is no Big Ten. Well, I think, we, I think there is. Well, no, hang on, hang on. There, there have been talks in pot. They might be coming back in October. How does that even – I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. There's no Big Ten. Don't act like there's going to be – Listen, listen. I don't care. I don't care. But they keep dangling the, the cheese in front of me, and I'm going to take it every They're actually, time. no one's dangling. It's people that are just saying stuff out there that are I don't care. falsifying I don't reports. Care. I, I don't care. Falsify the reports all you want. You I should do that. Then you, might get, then you might get, like, a Twitter famous or something. Juke Sports reports the Big Ten is coming back at the end of September. Tell your friend. I, I mean, okay. I'm going to say – if I were to pick a final four with no big 10, um, I would say Clemson, Bama. Hmm. Uh, Oklahoma. And then give me Notre Dame in the fourth spot. And this is why. So if everything stays the same with championships and things like that, um, I I think 
Clemson comes out of the ACC. Um, but they will lose to Notre Dame. So Notre Dame's going to go undefeated and lose in the ACC championship to Clemson. All right. Clemson, because they've won the ACC, will go on to the playoff. Notre Dame will be the fourth team in because they were undefeated all year and then just lost on a neutral site. Alabama goes through the SEC. And then I believe Oklahoma will be the Big 12 winner and then they'll, and then they'll send them as well. That's good. I like, I like Bama, Clemson, and Notre Dame. I do think that this is Notre Dame's chance this year with no Big Ten. Um, but instead of Oklahoma, I'm off the Oklahoma train. Give me, give me the Gators. Give me Florida Gators this year. So no Big 12 representation. Why do we need a Big 12 representation? We always have it, and what do they do for us? Um, with, no, with no Big 10 this year, I think that really paves the way for Notre Dame, even though Notre Dame's technically in the ACC this year, whatever. But I like Florida. I don't think the Big, the Big 12 isn't – I mean, besides Oklahoma, they're not a very good conference. And I, I'm sick that we're always looking for Big 12 representation because they just blow teams out. They get in there. I don't know. Let's give Florida a chance. To I like. I, I do like Florida this year. I think Florida takes a, a step forward. I think they go again. I don't know how the bowling's going to work, but I think they're definitely a New Year's Six Bowl team again. Um, but I think LSU takes a step back, and I think Florida kind of fills that void for a little bit. Uh, look out for Georgia too. Yeah, Georgia, Georgia's got Georgia. going to hang around as well. I love Kirby Smart. Yep. Yeah, they'll be good as well. LSU, unfortunately, is going to take a step back this year, so we won't see them. Uh, or Coach O, one of our, everyone's favorites, probably. So, But we will see. Um, all right, you want to get into this week's list? Let's get into the list. All right, this week's list. Jake, tell the folks what we got for them. This week's list is best individual – Fantasy football performances. The season is starting up. The fantasy drafts are abundant. I had about three last week, and it's fantasy season. So what better way to kick off fantasy season than to, to do a list on the, the best fantasy performances of a single year? Here we go. I'll start this baby off. Number five, Peyton Manning, 2013. For the Broncos. Oh, the Broncos. <laughs> That's my number five, you idiot. <laughs> so, uh. 55 touchdowns. Um, depending on where you look, he was around 410 fantasy points. Uh, the man has always been a safe bet for fantasy football owners at quarterback. This year, where everyone kind of thought, eh, he's going to be a Bronco. How is this going to be? Uh, he, he did very well. Uh, he's an absolute fantasy legend. Uh, Peyton Manning. I have him there too. I, I know, third, uh, 2013, Peyton Manning. I have him there too. He had like 427 points, 55 TD passes. Like you said, the biggest thing that went into this one was where you probably drafted him because there's a lot of uncertainties on what he was going to do there. It's almost like, well, maybe Tom Brady will do this now in Tampa Bay this year. Let's hope not, but we'll see. Yeah, I had the 2013. Peyton Manning season with the Broncos, 
at my number five as well. I can't believe he had the same number five. All the seasons. I, you know what? It 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 kind of happens, man. It, it happens more than we think. Like we've um, had the same guy or had the same pick for a while, or or a lot. I we guess had a I should few, say. but never really right off the bat. Usually up the top, we have a few of the similar mm-hmm. ones. All right, who you okay. got number four? All right, this is the name that I think a lot of people forgot and. He had a really good year, but was kind of overshadowed by another guy. But I have Steven Jackson, 2006. That's a good one. I had him on Off, an honorable mention. Yeah, often overshadowed in fantasy by another running back on my list. Uh, put up around 415 fantasy points uh, for the Rams. I just think people forget about him because he, he kind of fizzled out when he went to Atlanta. So people forget. But uh, 06, Steven Jackson. It's a good one. Um, for my number four, I'm going back to last year, man. Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Lamar Jackson, pretty much. So the way I looked at this was outside of some of the, the greater ones and the higher ones where you had the expectation just outperformed where you were already supposed to be great. No one really thought Lamar Jackson was going to put up the numbers that he did last year. And if you're like me in some cases, you got him very late in the round and you already built out a really solid fantasy roster with your running backs, your receivers, et cetera. So getting him later and then him being one of the top performing, the top performing quarterback um, pretty much should have put you straight through for a championship in your fantasy league like I did myself. So 36 touchdowns, six interceptions, um, 415. 0.68 total fantasy points and a surprise factor, man. Who thought that he was going to do this last year? Now we know a little bit this year um, that he's going to be uh, as good as he will be. And the rushing, that's, that's always so key with a quarterback because you add that rushing factor in there, that over 1,000 yards rushing, that just adds a whole other level. You're pretty much getting scoring for a quarterback and a running back there as well. So Lamar Jackson – 2019 is my number four. My number three is uh, Lamar Jackson, 2019. <laughs> uh, again, like you were saying, God, this kind of came out of nowhere. He was a late round pick for a lot of guys. Um, and he was just absolutely incredible. Now this year we kind of know, and this year he's more of a top pick for quarterbacks. So Lamar Jackson, 2019, um, a stunning performance by the man. My number three is about as far back as I can remember. And going this far back, it's very tough to remember since I struggle remembering what I did last week. But I think this is about when I started playing fantasy football, going all the way back to 2002 with the man who I feel like was the original uh, fantasy running back, Priest Holmes. Uh, 2002 Priest Holmes. Over 16,000 rushing yards, 70 receptions, over 600 receiving yards, 24 total touchdowns, and that's with him being injured in week 16 and 17. He averaged 29 points, 29 fantasy points per week, totaled around over 400 fantasy points in many leagues, depending on your scoring. Number three, 2002, Priest Holmes. So, like, I like that pick. I didn't put Priest Holmes on mine just because I felt like it was going too far back. 
Um, but I guess mm-hmm. I mean fantasy was fantasy was a thing then. It, it's it's not you're, as, you're you're I mean it's not what it is now. But you're you're got to realize that what thirteen how many years ago is that eighteen? You're a teenager. You're still probably playing fantasy, or you're at least just starting to get into fantasy. Yeah, I don't think I started until. I don't think I started until I was like oh, until like oh six oh seven. But no, I I get it. it was, it, that's a good pick. I don't have Priest on mine. That's a good pick. Uh, my number two. Um, I'm going another quarterback here. 2018 Patrick Mahomes. Fifty touchdowns. Uh, put up the most fantasy points by any quarterback. Again, kind of like a Lamar Jackson. Kind of came out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, Patrick Mahomes, 2000, 2018. I have a quarterback at number two for myself, but it's not Patrick Mahomes. It's unfortunately the greatest quarterback of all time by many cases and accounts. That's Tom Brady, 2007. 4,806 passing yards, 50 touchdowns, eight interceptions, and the man even got two rushing touchdowns, and we know he can't run. Uh, average, average well over 25 points per game and accumulated well over 400 fantasy points that season as well. That was, to me, why I put him on there over Pat Mahomes. I thought about Pat Mahomes, and I had him as an honorable mention. But now that's almost, for, for by many accounts, like 50 touchdowns is still an amazing accomplishment. But with how much more passing there is in today's game, I feel like it's not as out of the ordinary or unseen. Like Pat Mahomes, yes. But for a quarterback to do that like two years ago versus when Brady did it in 07 when it was a very different type of league, right. that's why I think Brady should okay. get the nod over there because you got to look at what – you were getting 50 touchdowns in 07 versus 50 touchdowns in 2018. No, I, I, I get that. Um, I get it. And, and I had Tom Brady and, and Randy Moss 07 kind yeah, of as a great, duo. Great year. Um, in you my had those two, if you had those two guys. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. My, oh, so a couple of my honorable mentions before I get to number one. I, I think we should have the same number one, but – uh, Randy Moss and Tom Brady 07. How about Jamal Charles in 2013? Mm-hmm. Uh, Todd Gurley, 2017. Uh, you have any other honorable mentions? You said all of the ones that I had on there. I was thinking about putting Moss in there, but I can't have two Patriots on any list of mine, so kept okay. him off. Uh, number one, I think we should have the same one, LT in 06. Yep, LT in 06 is um, my number one, too. Played for the Chargers. Uh, I mean – Depending on what fantasy points you look at, uh, most are saying around the 481 fantasy point mark. Averaged over 30 a game. An absolute fantasy legend, catching the ball out of the back. I mean, he did it all. So he racked up points out of the backfield for catches. He, you know, rushed, uh, touchdowns, you name it, he did it. Absolute lock on a lot of people's uh, number one picks in fantasy football. I think Christian McCaffrey is the modern day LT, LT. in yeah. terms of the Damn, style. I didn't, put, I didn't even put him on list. I, I just thought about him last year now too, and that was kind of his coming out party as yeah. I mean, he had a good year before, but last year 
unheard of numbers, um, and especially catching the ball too. And that's key now in a lot of fantasy leagues that most people go to a PPR format. Um, so that, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, LT was, LT was the original guy. He was, I, I still think Priest Holmes was the original guy, but LT was the, the mid 2000s guy that you pretty much those couple of years, he was the number one pick in a lot of your fantasy drafts, even before 06, I'd say from 03 up until like 07. Um, he was the guy, he was the back that you wanted to have on your roster to try to win you a, a fantasy championship. So I, I say, who was your number two, Pat Mahomes? Uh, yeah, two was Mahomes, 18. And who was well, three? I, I, I'll, uh, Lamar Jackson. So here, here's the thing. I, got, I already got the – unless you want to debate it more, but this no, seems no, pretty well, straightforward. What do you want? I think it should be LT1, Brady 2, Jackson 3. Oh, 19, Jackson 3, 07, Brady 2. Mm-hmm. And then – I like that. 06, Tomlinson. Even though I think you're discrediting Priest Holmes just because – of the the era or the year he did it in, when normally on these lists you bring things from the '60s. So, okay, so I like it, but shouldn't we put Mahomes at three because technically he had a better fantasy year than Lamar Jackson? Or or was I would, that? I would disagree because I think the factor there is. You, you didn't know you were going to get 50 touchdowns from Mahomes, but you knew you were going to get something. You knew you were going to get a pretty decent season. No one saw this last year from Lamar Jackson. Okay. And if you're saying you did, so better, you're just a So liar. you're saying better, it, it's a better value pick because Mahomes probably would have went in a middle round, whereas Lamar Jackson was going in the late rounds. Yeah, like, I mean, okay. some people, I, some people, Lamar Jackson was their second quarterback. They were thinking just, you know, he might see what he could do because of his that's legs. That's true, because you know what? People were saying, like, hey, the Chiefs are moving away from Alex Smith. Like, they're saying this Mahomes guy is the real deal, mm-hmm. and that's why they're moving away. So, and and also, it's, an, it's, a, it's Andy Reid's offense. You and I could go out there and throw for, like, 20 <laughs> touchdowns. Um, no, I agree with that. Okay, so Lamar Jackson uh, – 19 at three, Tom Brady do, at seven, two, LT 06 at one. Yes, and we could do a Chiefs debate on what's the greater, a better fantasy season, the Priest Holmes 02 or Mahomes in 18 okay. for Chiefs right. Kingdom. I, I like that list. I like that list. Okay, here we go. Uh, our list on best fantasy performances. Number three, Lamar Jackson in 2019. Number two, Tom Brady 07 and number one LT Ladanium Tomlinson in 2006. Love it. And now on to closing statements. All right. College football has started, people. It's here. And even though all of us are joyed to see college football back, it's not going to be the same. We're not going to see over 100,000 people packed like sardines into a stadium, chanting and cheering on for their beloved team. We're not going to hear the bands play. 
We're not going to see crazy, drunk college students painted in a plethora of different colors. We're not going to have a tailgate in the parking lot with your family and friends. We're not going to have some beers in said parking lot. And college football this year will be different. We're not going to wake up at 9 a.m. to watch college game day, to watch senile Lee Corso put on a mascot head. It's not going to be the same. But damn it, it's here. So let's make the best of it. We're going to cheer from our homes. We're going to tweet. We're going to post. We're going to have bragging rights over our neighboring friends and families in different states because they love the team up north and you're a Buckeye. Or that you love your Miami Hurricanes down there and those Florida State Seminoles aren't quite there yet. College football this year won't be the same. But at least it's here. Let's make the best of it, people. And let's have ourselves some damn good Saturdays. We'll say one thing, young man. The college game they set up this week in Lee Corso's house was amazing. With all his pool, I guess you would call them floaties, and some of the cardboard cutouts that he had of the whole crew. That was awesome. We'll see how it looks this week when they travel for Clemson and Wake Forest. For me this week, it's one man. And it's someone who might be right now the worst person in sports in terms of a player. There's a lot of people in sports media who are downright outrageous. Novak Djokovic. Oh, man. 2020. What a year for this guy. Let's do, go through a little timeline. First, he comes out with some anti-vaxxer crazy nonsense. And listen, whatever you want to do with your kids, that should be your right. But don't come out start screaming these anti-vaxxer nonsense stuff to people. Then, let's not remember, in the heart of a pandemic, this man goes out and has, puts on a tournament for himself because everything's shut down. Now, during this, everyone at the tournament catches COVID, including Novak Djokovic. What does he say? I feel no remorse about this, and if I could do it, I would do it again. Then, you fast forward a little bit more, he causes an uproar within the tennis community, trying to start a union with players. Some players agreeing, some players disagreeing, but pretty much causing a divide within the community. And then just recently, he gets disqualified from the U.S. Open, the 17-time Grand Slam winner, gets disqualified for, and I, I, I saw the highlights, and it was accidental, smoking a lines judge with a ball right in the throat. Unreal accuracy, you got to give him that, but 
an unforeseen circumstances for that line judge, he immediately gets disqualified. Now, I have two thoughts on this. One is, if you're getting disqualified for something like that where it's clearly accidental, tennis might be the softest sport ever because that's just unheard of. But on the contrary, for tennis to do this with their biggest star would almost be like ejecting LeBron in game seven for putting his hands up after a foul or ejecting the star safety or linebacker in the Super Bowl for a questionable call or a late hit. So you got to give him props there for sticking to the rules. But all in all, that rule definitely needs to be changed. But one clear thing that we do know from this is Novak Djokovic, right now, you might be one of the worst humans we have. And that's saying a lot because we have some of the worst people in 2020. The worst? You're, right, you're right up there. He's not the worst, but he's right up there. Oh, and it's continuing to get worse. So we shall see. Maybe he can redeem himself. But right now, Novak Djokovic is someone you see walking down the street and you probably want to slap in the face. But, all right, folks, that's all we got for you this week. But we will be back yet again next week for another episode. But until then, adios.